1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
2: Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by spam emails about spam protection. No, instead it's brought to you by CrimeCon 2018. That's right, CrimeCon is back. This year it's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee on May 4th through the 6th. That's a weekend, thank God. Uh, it, there are going to be lots of famous people you've heard of and seen on TV. There's going to be true crime authors, real police people, type persons and retired police type persons and all kinds of stuff like that plus podcasters yeah we're going to be there for one thing and of course it's going to be in nashville so that's a cool town as that's going to be fun right in and of itself so come and see us we'll probably have a meetup too so go to crimecon.com use the promo code sideways and you will get 10% off your ticket price so remember that crimecon.com promo code sideways Uh, Thinking Sideways podcast is also brought to you by the audiobook edition of The Wife Between Us by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen. Yes, you now can hear the story listeners are calling, wow, just wow, and one of the best audiobooks ever. Here's what the New York Times book review said, quote, a fiendishly smart cat and mouse thriller, unquote. Sounds like something I might just read myself, or better still, I'll pick up the audiobook and listen to it. Uh, It is a... narrated by Julia Whalen uh, it's twisty psychological suspense about a jealous wife but it's not what you think it is so start listening now at MacmillanAudio.com wife between us <laughs>
0: And welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, joined as usual by...
1: Devin!
0: And Joe! Woohoo! And this week, once again, we're going to talk about a mystery, but as I said last week, we are not going to talk about the same kind of mystery that we've been talking about for several weeks in a row. Which is the gory, gross kind? Yeah,
1: we're going to do that thing that we do because we're a podcast about unsolved mysteries, not true crime, and talk that's about right. something that's like a mystery. Now, this yep. is
2: totally not gory. It does involve somebody getting shot to death, but there's no that, crime. Yeah, there, there maybe. is no crime. But maybe there there's is no crime. mystery. This. Yep. <laughs> no mystery. Yeah. No, the only oh, no, there thing there is is a, is mystery. a mystery. Okay, yeah. no, right. Actually, if, it depends on who you ask. I mean, as some people consider the entire Spanish Civil War to be a huge crime. That's true. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's true. Okay. Well, listen. Here's here's the deal. Is today's mystery is entirely centered around the authenticity of a photograph that is commonly known as the Falling Soldier, and this photo, which you've probably seen, was taken in 1936 and shows a Republican soldier during the Spanish Civil War who's in mid-fall after supposedly having been shot and killed.
1: And here's the thing is I had never ever seen this photo. Yes, you had. Be, I don't think I had. It's
2: supposedly like one of the most famous war photos ever taken. Great. Here's, But, uh, but yeah. here's what I'm
1: telling you as, as a sovereign human yeah. is that I genuinely never seen this photo before. And if you have not...
0: If you are like Devin, stop now. Yeah. yeah. Pause, go look it up. Go look up The Falling Soldier by Robert
1: Kappa. And... Or... Check out our website, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Ooh, there will, will be a, be a picture there. right
2: That's there good. too. Yeah, boy. Yep. yeah.
0: Um, So let's, let's give you the mystery here. Let's give you a little description. Uh, so our soldier, he's wearing a white shirt. He's got light colored pants on. He's got this really distinct set of ammunition bags uh, with suspenders, holding them up uh, on his shoulders and he's falling backwards his knees are bent his right arm is fully outstretched he's got a rifle in his hand yeah, but it's he's almost dropping as if his he's rifle dropping or... or flinging it away from himself uh, but his body is twisting to the left away from where the photographer is
1: did the rifle have a bayonet on it No. no okay
0: no it did not uh, but he is I'm, turning away. That's not a stupid question. No, right? no,
1: no, is no. That, no, that no, was no. a thing. It's not actually. Yeah, that no. was a thing during that time. Okay. Oh, it it's uh,
2: well, still pull. is technically. You, you don't fix Bayonets until you're ready for the charge. So. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, he's, he's twisting away
0: and his head is turned aw- also to the left away from the photographer. And people say that he has just either been shot in the chest or shot in the head, and that this photo has literally captured him in the moment that he dies. Mm. So that's, that's what really gets everybody up is like this is such an amazingly uh, it's such an amazing capture by a photographer uh, and
2: captured in an extremely random way also Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but you've heard the story of how well yeah we'll we'll we'll
0: we'll talk about that shortly okay um i want to tell everybody who took the photo first oh yeah it was taken by a photo uh, actually very very famous now today well-known Photographer and beginning then, he was a beginning photojournalist. Was,
1: oh, yeah, I was going to say. He was yeah, he just journalist. started
0: out. Uh, and that's a guy by the name of Robert Kappa. And to this day, though, people say listen, Kappa uh, really did take that photo in the conditions he said. Or no, that photo was a fake and it's not mm-hmm. real, even though as Joe said, yeah. it's considered one of the best photos from a war. And by fake,
2: by fake. It, it's yeah, you know, I know your minds are going, I think it's been photoshopped, but no, no just uh, this guy Stage, pretended maybe. to get shot. Right. He, he wouldn't actually not, yeah. get
0: killed in the circumstances sure. that are described yeah. surrounding the photo. So
1: that's the mystery. Is it real? Yeah. Yeah. Photoshop? Yeah. Weird no. AI monster. No.
0: Yeah. No, none of those. None of those two, Devin. Alien. None of that. Yeah.
1: Chupacabra.
2: Maybe.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'll but probably that. not. Okay. Okay. So let's start at the beginning here. Uh, let me give you a little bit about Robert Kappa, and then we'll move into the situation that leads him to be where he was to take the photo. Kappa was originally, uh, he was born with the name Andre Friedman. He was born in Budapest, 1913. And he was Jewish, and that would be something that would push him across Europe and eventually yeah. to the New World, to the Americas, uh, based on the the political climates in Europe at the time. I bet. Uh, he left Hungary when he was accused of being a communist sympathizer, which... He would then say, okay, well, I got to get out of here. Like, literally, they said... I'm going to go
2: to Germany. Well,
0: they said, listen, (laughs) if you get out of town in 24 hours and don't come back to the country, we won't do anything to you. So he had the bad fortune of choosing Germany. That's
2: kind of close by.
0: Well, actually, I wouldn't say... As I say that, it's not bad bad fortune because that is where he was able to learn and perfect some of his trade which is photography and it actually mm-hmm. is what launched his career
1: I mean the other option there is right that maybe he like actually was a Nazi and like intentionally moved to Germany and oh, then, no. like later in life was like that ah, was a mistake uh, no, no
0: no no he he was definitely against what the Nazis stood for so that is definitely not great him. but I'm not sure how many Jews were pro-Nazi no not too many <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. And nobody's ever heard from them again mm-hmm. Uh, but no, so he, he went there, he stayed in Germany for about two years where he learned his, his craft. And then he left in 1933 and he moved to Paris
2: where well, the Germans will never, never get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: that was that thing about that war though. Right. Is that like, you could pretty much move almost anywhere well, in the Europe. Catch up with Yeah, him. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So he gets to he gets to Germany. He meets a bunch of other immigrants there who are uh, also become these huge names in photography. But while he's there he meets this woman and her name is I listen to her name so many times and I know I'm going to mess it up and I apologize. It is Gerda Pohoril I believe that's how you say it and if I apologize again I apologize if I if I mispronounce yeah. it like yeah. I said I listened she's, to it on she, a, a dude, documentary a bunch of times and I couldn't couldn't I said, quite she, get it she's
2: dead so she can't complain
0: well no that's, that's kind of that's heartless but oh. the point is here she and Andre Friedman meet they uh, they begin to they're both photographers they're trying to sell photos and get jobs but they're not really making any money and she comes up with this brilliant scheme she's the one that kind of of makes Robert Kappa because here's what she figures out is that as a Jewish man he is having a very hard time because there's there's prejudices and people just don't want to pay money for photos from this run-of-the-mill photo guy anyway But if they say, and this is what they do, they say, listen, there's actually this very famous photographer named Robert Capa from America, and he's here, and I'm negotiating on his behalf, and it would be an insult for you to not pay him X amount for his photos. Well his photos were good enough. They're like, we, we'll we we'll go ahead. We'll bring us, bring us this job. And, and they got it oh, and man. they get paid it. I for feel it like they, yeah. if they pull the whole
1: thing off. I them, really, actually. I, I like really it. feel like this like speaks so deeply to me because I have this like deep seated belief that like women by and large, are the ones who, like, hustle. We are the ones who, like, come up with these amazing, like, business schemes and really, like, hustle to make things happen. That's And oftentimes, it's... (laughs) I mean, yeah, but oftentimes it is to, you know, build up somebody that you care about. Often, like, a man that you care about. But regardless, I just, like, this speaks to me on such a deep level that she was just like, no, you know what we should do is just lie about it. Well, but at the same time, though, she... It's amazing! She reinvented herself, though,
0: because she changed her name to Gerda Taro, yeah. At the same time, and started pitching her photos as well, and so she was selling stuff. The long story is, or the short version of this though, is that it works. They start making money. It Which funds is great. their travels. Yeah. They start getting commissions. One of the things that they do is they realize that there is the civil war starting in Spain and. They have this naive idea of they want to capture war on film and show the, you know, what's happening to the people and things that you just didn't see. Because war traditionally was only pictures snapped of like the generals, the bigwigs talking and having conferences and not the guy in the trench bleeding to
1: death. So, why do you classify that as a naive idea? Because
0: the the way I've understood it is that it's it's that very young idea of we're going to go and it's going to be beautiful and nothing's going to happen and no bad things are going to happen and instead they end up in the trenches. I I guess that wasn't It it doesn't work out in the long run to be a wonderful, beautiful artistic experience. In it, it becomes very dirty and visceral that wasn't necessarily
1: the sense that i had i mean they both came from kind of war-torn places that's very true and they they understood the idea of feeling like it was important to capture the realities of those wars i guess
0: idealist would be a better a better way to explain what i guess it just it
1: feels to me like they they were making very conscious decision to go in. I mean, a lot of journalists do this yeah. too right now where they make this conscious decision to go in because they think it's important that it's not just the generals in their pretty uniforms, in their beautiful rooms, with that, their oak table. Right, and... and that's the, that everybody should know what war actually looks like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, again, and yes, it's a... maybe a little naive to assume that well, bad that things won't happen to them or that it's going to be fun and beautiful. But I think they, I, it's my sense that they had at least a pretty realistic idea of what, a war-torn place looked like. Well, and they well, had and the personalities
2: for it. Yeah. This is also not a new idea. I mean, they've been, oh, gosh, been war, no. ever since photography began, people have been taking pictures oh, of yeah. war. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Not oh, yeah. a new idea. Absolutely. But I, I do think that as a as a war correspondent, you do have the luxury of being able to pop in, take some pictures, and make leave. some notes, interview, and then leave, yeah. You know? which is not something the guys in the trenches get mm-hmm. to do. True. No. That's, that's the really horrible thing about war, well, besides getting your arms and legs blown off, you know, but is just living in these awful conditions for weeks, months, maybe but, even see, years. But was, see, that was
0: the, you know? eventually that would be the thing that distinguished Robert Kappa so much, is that he would pop into a trench or a foxhole, sit there and smoke a cigarette and talk to a guy, a kid who is freaking the F out because yeah. he is, An everything is exploding. Yeah. He's calm as the day, you know, blowing up all around him. He's just having yeah. a conversation Kids able to kind of focus in. Like, I've watched documentaries and these people, like, he was amazing. Like, this stuff didn't, stuff is not the word I wanted to use, but Um, it didn't phase him. He just didn't, he just, so he had that kind of, which is why I kind
1: of had that sense of, like, they knew what they were getting into. See, and I mean, they had seen a lot of. That is developed naturally. Sure. And that could be that could again be like a right. 2020 yeah. impression of them. They could have gone into it totally blind, and it just happened that they were good at it. Uh-huh. They could have been like, "This is going to be beautiful and amazing. It's going to be like Woodstock all over again." <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> well, so there are well, there is such a thing. Actually, there's some been, been some beautiful war photography. It's really the there's stuff, some, but there's been amazing, some haunting stuff.
1: hauntingly beautiful. Uh-huh. beautiful oh, yeah. yeah. So
0: here's so like I said, though, let's get back into this part of the story or the beginning of what leads up to the falling soldier. Yeah. I guess, is is that They get this commission, and I believe it's View Magazine, which is a French magazine. They get a commission. They go to Spain to check out the war, and I'm going to give you the... Loosest, loosest basic primer on what the Spanish Civil War was. They were shooting at each other. There is tons of information out there, and if you want to dive deep into this, do so. It's very interesting,
1: but it's not our total focus here. Yeah. But basically, so the disclaimer here is basically like this: is not a podcast about the Spanish Civil War. Hmm. So
0: the simple, simple version is between the late 19 teens to the 1930s. In Spain, there's a series of political upheavals. The monarchy becomes unpopular and unstable, and things like communism and socialism and right-wing fascism start gaining ground. Eventually, everybody is pissed off at everybody else. Like, it's Mm. just dirty and not good. And there's some unsuccessful coups in the early 30s, and then there is one that goes off literally with a bang and everybody is at each other's throats and they div- the country divides into two parties there's the republicans which are called the popular front and the nationals who nationalists who are the anti-communists and they go at it for i think Four, three, three years. years.
2: 36 to 39. Yeah, but, three uh,
0: about three years is how long the Spanish Civil War lasted. Yeah. That is the basic, most basic of...
2: Yeah, Basis that's like not
1: even wars. the Wikipedia intro to no, the article. Oh no, I cooked this puppy out. Yeah,
2: down. actually, the um, if you want any any reading on it, uh, George Orwell was took part in the war. He was in the trenches. George the Orwell, anarchists.
0: the the film director?
2: George Orwell, the the writer, nineteen eighty four. Yeah,
0: yes, yes. Yeah, he wrote Orwellian. a book.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, Orwellian. Yeah, uh, but he wrote a book about about his experiences called Homage to Catalonia." Okay. Yeah, uh, which is a pretty good read. It doesn't he and he. As it pains to say, he doesn't talk about it completely. He talks about his corner of the war, the things that he saw, but also tries to explain some of the overarching groups and what they were all about and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't claim that he explains the entire thing in total detail. Yeah, yeah. it but, seems yeah. almost
1: impossible to do that.
2: Uh, the Spanish Civil War is extremely complicated, of, uh, like right.
1: of really any war. And well, yeah. yeah,
2: but it's one of the more complicated ones out there. Well, and, because it's it the, the also... first
0: one where not only is the country fighting itself, but this is where the bigger European powers, like the uh, like the USSR, the communist nation, and the well. Germans and the Americans, like all these different forces are starting to push stuff in. It's it, well, it's, it's described uh, as a testing. Ground for there what was, would
2: become World War Two. There was yeah, there was a lot of um, a lot of international interference. A lot of people came from far and wide to participate on both sides of the mm-hmm. war. Again, like Orwell, for example, Ernest Hemingway was another one, and there's some other famous figures you could name. Yeah. tons of people fought in that war, and uh, and it's, it's also I think unique, or at least the first war really that is totally shrouded in clouds of BS. I mean, it's a lot of uh, there's a lot of BS surrounding this war that that really has followed us down to this to the to the present day. Well, uh, and then of, I, I can't you know, disagree
0: with you because I I really I, what I wanted to have, as you guys know, I've done this before. I'm going to give you a two and a half to three paragraph description of this yeah. war. And as I read it, it just became it more just gets, and more yeah. convoluted. So that's yeah. a that is a great description of, of and, the problems yeah, with I,
2: explaining this this conflict. Well, yeah, and I and I don't mean that the people of the war was BS. I just mean a lot of the the, the commentary afterwards, the yeah. interpretations. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That people have put on the war and the people fighting it and everything else uh-huh. are mostly BS.
0: Uh, yeah, and so with that, let's let's move forward because I think the the one the one pertinent bit of information about the Spanish Civil War is when it began, because that plays into the the date of the capture of the image of the falling soldier. The war began in July, 1936. Mm. Okay, we're gonna move in, and supposedly the photo, the falling soldier was taken in September. We don't know when in September, but in September of 1936, There's some things that can kind of maybe help us figure that out. The first of which is when the photo ran, uh, the original run date of it. Because if you remember, I said there was View Magazine back in Paris, and
1: View is VU. Yeah. Vu, currently. not vu, VU. like yeah, VU. yeah, not vieu. Yeah, it's not like the view. Like yeah,
0: no, that's a different show entirely different with four women on it. Yeah. No, they were not there. Uh, but no, this magazine would run the image along with several of quite a few other of Robert Capa's images in the September twenty third, nineteen thirty six issue.
2: Yeah. So Suddenly lost it, the word issue. So he took it at least no later than that morning then, and then immediately downloaded it to the internet, found stuff in the internet <laughs> cafe. <laughs> well, no, made the edits. There, yeah. is, there is
0: no internet. There is no editing. He had to hand off undeveloped negatives to a pilot who would then fly them back to Paris, where mm. they would go to a dark room, get developed, and then get integrated in the magazine. And so that's, there's got to be at least days. Oh, and yeah. that's, I'm, using, I'm using that loosely. Sure,
1: and that's the corroborated... That was the process. Mm -hmm. He didn't ever see his own. I mean, he didn't develop on site. No, Uh, no, no.
2: he wouldn't. He did have a, I think back in Paris, he had a.
1: He did
0: have a dark room He had a dark
2: room. Yeah. But,
0: but but he was, he uh, was still in Spain
1: when the image ran. Yeah. Probably. Taking pictures, presumably. Correct. Mm -hmm. Presumably. Right. But so, I mean, that's kind of a frustrating little detail in this, right? Is that, I mean, we've all, all, everybody in this room, at least, has shot film. Uh Uh-huh with a camera yeah. a film you gotta camera you got to wait for it to come back well and and that you like kind of st- you stick it in your tube and you say like i mean like how much can you say about it you can't ever go through especially if you don't have a dark room right you don't have the chance to go through and say like frame 1 roll 1 is this is where i took it Frame two, roll one. This okay, is where so I so Actually
0: it. actually a counter to that is because as you two know, I'm in a photography class right now because I shoot all the time. Yeah. And one of the things that I don't do because digital makes this so much easier but this instructor is really, really pressing on us, and he is old school, mm-hmm. a very old school, is you have a notebook, you you write down your shot numbers and your exposure time and your f-stop and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. Now, as a war photographer, you can't do that because you Definitely are just not. blazing away. But you can stop and write, roll 215, 215, this date, this event. Like, you can give and I'm, some I'm
2: sure basic details. I'm sure they did keep track. It's not like today where you can actually... Just go to the image and, and look in the data, and there it is. You're stopping right. your lens. In the and right. everything. I mean, I'm right. sure that
1: he, there was yeah. some taken place, but you know this image particularly that we're talking about, and the kind of photography he was doing. We're talking like actual battlefield correct. like bullets flying over your head photography mm. so yes. i presume that he wasn't also like picture snap okay, n- notebook, 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 okay notebook okay picture snap n- no. notebook no i mean no. you know you have to kind of take that back correct. and so that's something else that i would just yes. add her to the layer, add to the like layer of complexity a, more like
2: on a roll basis you yes know, like right label, yes. label the can of the, the roll and then right. make yep. a note of right and so what that's day, that added you know?
1: complexity of w- us not actually having him Saying Mm -hmm. to the publisher, this is what I got.
0: Well, and here's the other problem is there's the influence or the input of the publisher of the photos. Oh, for sure. Because at the time that it runs in view, they say that the photo was taken in Cordoba, Spain, but other people have come along after the fact and said, oh, no, that was taken in Cerro I believe is how you pronounce that city's name, Now, that might not sound like a big deal because those two cities are about 8 miles or 12 kilometers apart. But if there's a war, that could actually be pretty important. And Mm -hmm. as we'll find later on, there's even more locations that are suggested where this photo might have been taken. So that draws it out to not 8 miles and 12 kilometers, but 30 miles and, what is that, like 80 kilometers roughly difference? I mean, this can be huge differences in where the battlefront is So that also throws, you know, question of was he taking it in a serene place or was it somewhere where all hell was breaking loose Mm. for his part? Robert Kappa never really talked about this photo and and what the circumstances around it. He's really kind of tight lipped around it, which was weird because he was such an outgoing and and very fun and playful man. Is I have the way a few. I'll talk about all the
1: few different reasons. I okay. guess probably. In uh, yeah, I
0: have I have some ideas too. But according to him, in one of the few interviews that he did, uh, what he said was. Actually, Joe, do you mind reading this? Yeah, uh, sure. This seems right up your alley, my friend. Do I have to
2: do with the Hungarian accent? No, no, just do it <sighs> as you Please you'll. don't,
0: in fact. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm sure will <laughs> offend all our Hungarian listeners. <laughs> Quote, I was there in the trench with about 20 milicianos. I just kind of put my camera above my head and didn't even look and click the picture when they moved over the trench. And that was all. That camera, which I held above my head, just caught a man at the moment when he was shot. That was probably the best picture I ever took. I never saw the picture in the frame because the camera was far above my head, unquote
0: no that's yeah. that's amazing because what you need to realize is that he's shooting at this time 35 millimeter film has become available so that's great because it's highly portable he's using a leica camera which is more akin to the body style of a camera you see today than mm-hmm. the old school box or brownie style so it it makes it it's amazing to think that he held it up and it was in as in focus as it was very, very
2: lucky for him yeah it's
0: an amazingly lucky shot that which is yeah. also why people question it well yeah. he you yeah.
2: probably you probably had it stopped way down, you know. I mean, the, the, yeah, the smaller the aperture, yeah, then, just you know, wide open to yeah. get as much light. But still, that focus. that
0: focus ring is the hardest
1: bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean. I don't know if there was a lot of action happening. I don't know as much about photography as either of you do, certainly. But yeah, we won't develop into uh, nerd talk. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But I, I would just say that, like you know, if he had focused from the trench on kind of where the front line was happening, and then had to duck down because shooting was happening, yeah. and was just reaching up, that might account for, in my understanding of mm-hmm. photography, might account for why it was so in focus. But again, mm. it was it's pretty not... lucky. Yeah, it's I don't pretty know. lucky. Hundred
2: percent in focus. I didn't think either. it was perfectly in focus personally. But no, it was there's, pretty there's in focus. Other <laughs>
0: photos from that series that are in much better focus. But oh, yeah. we'll deal with that shortly. Uh let's let's move to after the fact though. So so Kappa takes his shot. Uh, he would then eventually leave Spain because remember this war goes on for years and he would go he would bounce back and forth to Spain over the course of that war. Unfortunately, when he left, Gerda didn't wanna go. She she got another assignment and she stayed and that would end up costing her her life. They, uh, if you don't know, you, actually, if you've never heard of the story, you don't know this, is they were lovers. They had a intimate relationship. And when she was killed, it took a toll on him. She was in a another battle area. She jumped onto a Jeep or a, a, some kind of vehicle that was moving away and a tank rolled into it. and Ooh. She she didn't die that moment, but she died the next day. Man, that's uh,
2: somehow
1: even worse. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Tank, just, tank just hit it, or tank rolled right over the top I of it? I
0: believe that the tank hit it, she was thrown to the ground, and probably the car rolled on top of her, because mm. she was riding on the, the running uh, board of the vehicle. Yeah. So I have a feeling that she took massive internal injuries, which mm. took about a day to kill her. Mm. Uh, so she is actually considered probably, she's considered to be probably the first female female, photojournalist to have ever died in a battlefield or war situation. So not the title that you want, but you know, she, she earned that title. Fairly
1: prestigious. I mean, yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, not she... one that you actively aim for. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> at least but one going... that you can be respected yes. for. Yeah,
2: At least uh, people are going to look at look at you and say, "Wow, what a dumb ignominious death," you know? They're no, not, no. Like, There's not like she, some other. She, she was name. in there yeah. trying to get it really
0: done. Really trying, yeah. yeah. And for his part, Robert Capa would go on. He would fill, or he would photograph every major conflict. From then until his death in 1954, uh, he was in. He got an assignment for Life Magazine to take photographs at the end of the first Indochina War. This is in Vietnam. It's not the actual Vietnam War. The designation for being the Vietnam War takes about another year or so but he well, went
2: our ha- vietnam War, the french were there like yeah this is where the french it were it being us. pushed out yeah.
0: and uh i mean that
2: was still the vietnam war same war it was mm. in
0: vietnam yes yeah. but it, it's got the designation of the first and the second indochina wars yeah but the point is he's there he's taking photos of the troops and at one point he says he's going to go ahead and shoot take photos back down the track they're walking he steps on a landmine, and that takes his life, oh, yeah. and that is the end of Robert Kappa. The man is well-known, though. If you've ever seen photos of the Omaha Beach in D-Day, D-Day? Yeah. Yeah. he's the one who took those photos. He he dove off of a boat with all of these Marines and yeah. soldiers in the, the thick of it, and he took photos the whole time. I think he shot... He shot like 120 or 140 images that day. Only 11 of them survived because unfortunately when he sent his film to the UK to get developed... A film tech screwed up and destroyed all but those eleven iconic images but they of these are
1: that we have. they are amazing photos. <laughs> but
2: still, probably the ones that got destroyed were even more just iconic, or like even equally, more at least. Yeah. 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 So,
0: so the, he, he's very well known. He is. He is the standard of war photography. And if you've, like I said, you've probably seen his work. You just didn't know who his who he yeah. was. Okay, so. Back to The Falling Soldier, 25 years go by. Everybody has taken the story of this photo at face value. Nobody has really said, nah, that can't be right. Well, I mean, you know, was the time. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. But uh, then in the 70s, a book comes out and somebody says, "I I don't know if I think that's really real, but we don't have anything to corroborate it and then an amazing thing happens which is remember we said he fled he left paris because the nazis were coming yeah Yeah. well when he did he left his dark room he left all of his film and his negatives there and he had a suitcase with three boxes of of developed film in those boxes Somehow, through some series of events that suitcase made its way into a diplomat's hands, that diplomat took the suitcase to Mexico, where it lived for the next 70-some years until such time as a bargain was struck. And that film was brought forward and given to the Kappa estate and Magnum photos. And Magnum is the company that he helped start with three other well-known photographers back in the, that would be in the thirties that he did that. Yeah. But they developed all of the, or they, they created prints off of all of that, that cellulose. And it was amazing that it was still viable, because if you, you remember, film degrades over time.
2: Especially back in the older days. Yeah, it's so not he, as stable as it is today. So
0: it was amazing that this stuff was in g- really good shape. And they got a whole bunch of images from his time in Spain. The, 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 the image of the falling soldier is not in that set. But what is in there is some other images that he took at the same time. And it helps... Maybe a timeline mm. of where he was and what was going on when that particular photo was shot.
2: Mm, Thus,
0: know. even more questions are asked. Oh, I now, see. it was amazing is that not only were his photos found in that suitcase, Gerda's uh, photos, some of hers, were also found. And a man by the name of David Seymour, who had a really colorful nickname that I forgot. But I can't remember his name. I loved his nickname, Uh, but I've forgotten it. it. Uh, But all these lost images of theirs from that war were found, which is Mm. wonderful. But now what we're left with is we have more information. We have more images, but it's an incomplete record. And the question here is, was the falling man truly taken in a conflict or was? Was it not? And it was a staged image. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to talk about now that we're in theories. Oh. But first, let's take a quick break.
2: Hey, Hulu has got a new original series coming out. It's called The Looming Tower. It's based on the Pulitzer Prize winning book by Lawrence Wright. Uh, It is about, guess what, all the events leading up to the 9-11 attacks. The series on Hulu traces the rising threat of Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, and how the rivalry and the bureaucratic infighting between the FBI and the CIA might have prevented us from actually heading off those attacks. The Looming Tower stars Jeff Daniels, I'm sure you heard of him, also Peter Sarsgaard and Tahar Rahim. And uh, so The Looming Tower is available now, but only on Hulu. Go watch it.
0: Click, and we're back. Shim. It was Shim. Yes, it was Shim. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So now that we know who it is. Yeah, sorry. Let's get into the first theory.
1: I took all half hour of our break to Google that. Oh, uh, I know no. you did. Okay, <laughs> no. Uh, So here, we've actually got really three
0: basic theories. The yeah. first theory is that the photograph is authentic in the sense that it is, it as went, they said, it was it taken the way they like said. said. Yeah, yeah, like there is no it's cover real. story around yeah. the whole thing. And it is somebody being killed at, or at the moment of death from being shot with a bullet. Yeah, it's well, not
2: that outlandish that you go to a war zone and you manage to get a picture of somebody getting shot. You know, it happens really? a lot. I bet it does.
1: Yeah. It happens in the war zone, really often. Sorry, people yeah. getting shot in war zones happens a lot. Yes, yeah. pictures of people getting shot in war zones is harder. Less, yeah. yeah, yeah. The
2: timing is tricky. Yeah. Okay,
0: so if we go, if we if we follow this theory though, Kappa's biographers and the guys at Magnum Photos, which again, like I said earlier, was a company he founded, they all say that the photo is the real deal. And there's a, a man by the name of Richard Whalen. I believe Whalen is still alive, but I swore I saw something that said he actually passed away within the last two or three years. Hmm. But he was a biographer of Kappa. And what Waylon did, this was back at, this was like around 2000, before the suitcase of images had been found.
2: Now, I see the guy that wrote the article for the PBS or yes. something. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, same that's guy. Right. I remember that one. PBS, yeah.
0: stop putting your articles on black backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. um, <laughs> he enlisted the help of a homicide detective. Was it
2: Steve Hodell? No, just, just kidding.
0: No, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what? No, <laughs> it wasn't Odell. I can't remember the, the guy's name. Is it in here? We'll find it. But the point is this detective said, yeah, sure. I'll look at the photo. That's cool. I've seen a lot of things in my line of work as a homicide detective. Mm-hmm. And what he noticed and he pointed out was in the image, the soldier's left hand is barely visible now remember i said the 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 man is twisting and fall he's falling backwards and he's twisting to his left away from the photographer and his left hand is barely visible his legs are bent and that hand you can see it dropping below his left thigh Well, the fingers on that hand are curling. They're they're
2: curling inwards. In a a relaxed way, not like making a fist kind of way. Correct. They're just
0: kind of loose. Like, you know, when you fall asleep and you wake up and your hand is just kind of loosely curled.
1: Say, like, when you shake your hands out? Yeah,
0: something just like that. Okay, well, he said, listen... Uh, most people, when they are falling backwards intentionally, they cannot help but reflexively put their hand
1: out to break their fall, or yeah. or accidentally falling backwards. Yes, yeah, anybody who is aware of the fact that they are falling backwards, it's an automatic reaction. Yes,
0: but when you are shot, or well, actually, more importantly, when you are deceased. The tension in your muscles and your your whole body go out, and the hands automatically curl inward, and he keyed in on that saying, listen, I think the guy is actually dead already as he's falling to the ground, and this is a, a symptom of it, that his hand is curling in on itself. Okay, that that makes total sense, but I I have a total issue with it because I'm still struggling with the photo sequence, which we're going to talk about some more soon. Well, another I,
2: another issue are, uh, is the lack of a bullet hole anywhere.
0: Well, they say that he shot in the head, and remember I said that if you look at this photo, his left the the basically the left side of his head. You can't really see That's it true. in the
2: image. I suppose actually, if he was really shot, if he was sort of shot in the left side of the head, that would explain why he's twisting. Twisting to in his that left. direction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, that yeah. totally. Like he could have been shot in the heart and twisting. The, his white shirt would not show blood yet, because if he is, it is just the moment of impact and he is initially twisting. That that flow of blood from everything being cut by the bullet is not going to show up. He
1: could have been shot left back side of his head too through his because he has black hair uh-huh. right so it could have been shot in his head sorry i'm going away from mike as well. and his head just like you know flung with the velocity mm-hmm. of to the right could yeah, also I mean, have been, i mean there's a lot of ways there's a
0: lot of ways that this bullet could have impacted him to kill him and make his body turn in the method that it did yeah now the the, the other thing that they are pointing to at Magnum and Mr. Whalen has also pointed out, was he was looking at the timing of the photograph that of of the, the falling soldier and when it was released, there's a guy, he's a contemporary of Robert Kappa. His name is Hans Namath. Uh, and Namath was in Spain at the same time as Kappa, doing the same thing, doing war journalism. And by the way, you also, this is another one I'm name dropping again. Uh. This is also a photographer you know. I, you know who Jackson Pollock is. He's the, the drip artist from the 50s, the the famous guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, remember that guy. There's
0: iconic photos of Jackson Pollock at work, and those photos were taken by Hans Namath. So you actually know his work as well, if even if you didn't photos. realize it. We yeah. you, you probably have. You're right. I, I forget. I, I spent no. so many years in school in the arts that I forget sometimes that not everybody see Oh, God, images. no. Yeah. Like, they're just, I, I instantly had that. Like, oh, yeah, I know who that is even before I pulled up the image. Yeah. I knew who it was. I, but,
1: and that, you know, that image. Yes. Yeah. I knew that image of
0: him bent over the the canvas mm-hmm. on the floor. Me too. Doing his drip painting. I paints.
1: also went to art school, so. Yes.
0: Huh. Okay. Hans Namath was near a village. This is, uh, you know, in the in September of 36, early September of 36. He's in the village of Cerro Mariano when the fighting broke out on the 5th and the 6th of September. And he took a bunch of photographs of the local villagers fleeing from that violence. And, and he mm-hmm. went on record and said, no, I never saw Robert Kappa or Gerda at any time while I was there. And yet, images of those same fleeing villagers were run along with the image of the falling soldier in view magazine
2: so taken by Kappa by I Kappa, take, yeah, uh, so it not.
0: says, "Wait, Robert Kappa was there, and everybody said the image of the falling soldier was shot was taken." On the fifth or the sixth, because that was when the conflict happened at that location. Mm. So that, along with the last thing that Richard Wayland found, which is that the original prints that they dug up, you know, Kappa's prints, they were all they were sequentially numbered. That's the, from when they were originally developed. Mm. Yeah, and the numbers on the back of the falling soldier print. Is prior to the fleeing villager prince, hmm. so they're saying. Listen, he was there. You can. We know he was there because other photographers have the same people in their images, in their their photographs, and this is sequential numbering. Is showing that this had to have all been done prior to those villagers' images being captured. So that's, that's a timeline that they've established using those those bits of information. The really cynical okay.
1: part of me says, yeah, that film was there.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Somebody else took
1: the pics? I mean, like, you know, who knows who had a camera and was willing to sell Robert Kappa some film
0: actually i don't think kappa bought anybody i don't just actually bought, but, think actually, that but there but is you actually bring up a very interesting point this is a theory that i didn't have in here but we'll just toss this out there as a also floating theory yeah which is that robert, robert kappa didn't take the photo but you know who did kurda yeah. yeah because they had made a moniker i think it was kappa and and Taro is is the the translation of it. They had stamps made up like that was just their brand. They yeah. worked so closely together that there is questions of some of those early photos of which one took them. Right. Now, he had a very distinct style. But if you are taking photographs with someone all the time and you're reviewing your work together, you tend to just naturally pick up. Yeah. If
1: you're co-developing a style, I mean, they're co-developing a brand. Absolutely right. You know?
0: And so maybe.
1: And that's one of those things too, where it's kind of like she was the first woman to die on a battlefield as Mm -hmm. a photojournalist. Like maybe her legacy is even broader than we necessarily know if. It is true that she took these pictures, mm-hmm. but that it they just thought it would sell better. They attributed
0: better. it to Robert it, you Capa know, maybe rather it sells than better. her, because he's a man. Again, it's the era. Yeah. This is not me being sexist. This is the era being well, sexist. Well, I mean, it yeah, just, it's not just it's the, the era. Did it. It's not know? just the
1: era being sexist. It's the era being super racist, because obviously he wasn't even selling photos as a Jew in that time either. He had to change his entire identity. <laughs> a Hungarian Jew. Well, yeah. He had to change his own identity, let alone her having to also change all her identity. True
2: that. But uh, do you know if Gerda was even there that day?
1: No. Uh, so, she, yes, she was there with Kappa. They traveled
0: together. They mm. they apparently were inseparable when they were in Spain. Oh, okay. So... Th- the information that i have found it wasn't as if they said hey i'm gonna go here and you go there and let's meet up next week in this other town no they they went everywhere together um i think it was hans namath was talking about the fact like they they ran out of cover at one point to watch a plane that had been shot down spiraling and he was it was him or somebody else just talking about like their general level of of almost naivete about, like, oh, this and that, and we're going to do this with our photos and, like, just
1: this, 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 this general. I mean, remember. I would say brazenness. Well, but or...
0: remember, he is a very, very young man at this time. He is, like, 20, yeah. 18 or 20, something <laughs> like that. He's a very young guy. He was born in 1918. This is happening. Yeah, he's 18 years yeah. old.
1: Again, I would call that boldness, not... Necessary, or brazenness, not necessarily like it's, naivete. Uh, the
2: immortality kind of thing. Yeah, the immortality. T- yeah, there's some of that, yeah. but yeah. there's
1: also that sort of like this again, just, you know, knowing kind of what we know from like later interviews and things like that of him mm-hmm. thinking that he probably did think it It wasn't just like i could never die it was like this is important and i should capture it you know and so that's i mean that's hard it's hard to tell but he had this his
0: motto was amazing and unfortunately it it may have also been what cost him his life which is if your photos aren't good enough you're not close enough
1: yeah but so that's why i don't think like naivete i think just like this like i mean you know, you know brazenness whatever we want to call well, it but.
2: you know i mean sometimes people are just obsessive about certain yeah. things which they, is also they, fine makes them sort of have a little bit of disregard for yeah. their safety i
1: was listening to a yeah. uh, interview with a N npr correspondent recently and she said you know the really interesting thing about being a war correspondent is that i have this really bad behavior which is like kind of self-destructive and that it's like i go to iran during the war and report on it while there's bombs dropping around me (laughs) and then i get a reward which is an actual broadcasting award and people are rewarding me for this so i my learned behavior is me doing this really dangerous horrible thing is what makes me really good at my job, yeah, and so, I think that yeah. you know that's kind of feeds into that as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely, just... yeah. And uh, and you know the, the thing about war too is that most of the bullets miss. Yeah. So your odds are actually that's you know. most Why of them the are stormtroopers as long as they do. Yeah. So yeah. Odds are you, yeah. you can run out there in the battlefield and you won't get totally. shot. Yeah. You
1: know? But I mean yeah. I guess I don't know. I mean I I would agree. I don't know. I guess we were kind of talking about my stupid theory that like well maybe he didn't actually take the pictures i think he probably did i just was kind of throwing that out there like, I, um, I think
0: that robert kappa took the photo and based on things that we're going to talk about yeah. sadly i am very conflicted now because yeah, i think that he tough. took the photo but i think the circumstances are not what they were said to be and we uh-huh. should probably talk about that because that's our second theory yeah
1: i think it's okay to say either he or greta definitely took the picture gerda gerda sorry not greta greta she,
0: her original name was Greta, but she changed it to Greta. Sure. You were close. Anyway, sorry. I kind like, <laughs> like of say...
1: call her Greta. Yeah. I uh-huh. think it's safe for us to say somebody that owned that brand took uh-huh. the picture.
0: Okay. We'll go with that. Uh-huh. So let's go on to theory number two, which is indeed that the photo is a fake. And by fake, I mean it is not what it is portrayed
2: yeah. to be. It was, it was staged. It was posed. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. The,
0: the process of faking photos, as Joe said... It, it, you know i mean the process of taking photos of war that happened as soon as people figured out how to take photographs and right after that they figured out how to fake photos to get what the the to tell the story that they wanted to tell they would manipulate the image in such a way so that it told well, their story and and it didn't matter what else how well
2: it's it, it happens in, in you know i mean it's like for example Uh, But imagine you're out in the battlefield, and you see something really, some really cool thing you've never seen before, like somebody getting shot and falling down to the ground, and you think, that's not cool, obviously, but that would make a great shot. Unfortunately, you didn't capture that shot, and so, and it's, it's a huge timing thing. If you want to catch somebody right in the act of getting shot, it's a big thing, and so I could see where, at a certain point... You would kind of give up on trying to actually capture that moment and just ask some soldier, slip him a few pesos, and say, "Dude, would you fall to the ground just like?" And 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 and, and a war correspondent's mind, it's actually, if he does it in such a way that it looks just like all these other guys that you've seen getting shot, getting shot, mm-hmm. then it's like, hey, you know, I, I recreated the moment. You know, I wasn't able to capture it.
0: And the yeah. act of staging photos was it's... what a lot of photographers were forced to do during the Spanish Civil War, yeah. specifically, because of the fact that the photographers were not allowed onto the front line. Which sure. makes
1: sense.
2: Yes. They're not allowed, or else it's a timing thing, like I said.
0: So here's, here's the crux, or here's the, the basis of the information that really is throwing this theory forward at this point for a lot of people is that while Robert Capa was in Cerro Mariano, he did take photos of refugees, those refugees we talked about that Hans had gotten photos of. But at that point, he had not yet taken the photo of the falling soldier. So basically the photos were out of order when the print house developed them. They put them in the incorrect order. Mm -hmm. And instead he took that image... A day or more later, at a, several days later, at an entirely different location, in a village called Espejo, which is about 30 miles or 50 kilometers south of where he supposedly was, and he, at that point, when they got to that town, there was literally nothing happening because they had been, uh, you know, they'd, on the. F- Fifth and the sixth, they were there. There's all this action. And they say, we're going to go somewhere else. And they get to that somewhere else, which is a Espejo, according to this theory. Mm-hmm. And nothing's going on. And at this point, they say, well, listen, we're bored. Um, they talk the local soldiers into running some maneuvers t- for them. Because, hey, you'll get your photo taken. And this is, this is the days oh. where getting your photo taken is still a novel thing. So they run these exercises. And if you look at the photos... There's images of uh the the photographer, whoever the photographer is, whether it's Kappa or taro, are in the trench, and the soldiers are jumping over the trench and then they're bending over this this mound of dirt quote unquote firing at the enemy they're running, they're doing all of these maneuvers, and they're they...
1: larping. Are
0: are LARPing? Are LARPing. They're LARPing. Live LARPing. Action Live playing. action role playing. Live action
1: role playing. And, okay. and gotcha. they may LARPing. have
0: been doing that for the benefit of the camera. And at one point, they said, hey, you know what? Like Joe said, do you mind just running and getting, sh- quote unquote, getting shot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, so
2: one soldier is like there, and and another soldier's going pew, pew, pew,
0: pew. Yeah, (laughs) in Spanish. Yes. 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 Pew
2: in Spanish, whatever that is. I think
0: it's still pew. Okay. Well, but here's the thing is that if we look at the images that are taken at the same time as the falling soldier, there's some damning images because there's um, an image of a man laying on his back with his rifle across his chest. He appears to be deceased, but his arms are kind of folded over his chest in that I'm laying here dead or somebody's I'm posed me. I'm pretending to be, yeah. There's also another man who is falling and appears to as if he is falling almost as if he has been shot. Yeah. And here's the the hardest part about that. There's not a whole lot of other information in the photo. The ground appears to be rather recently cut. Uh, wheat. Yeah. But what you can see More is stock the background. Yeah, some kind of stock. Off in the distance, clouds. you can see some mountains. You can see what looks like some tilled fields and maybe a farmhouse. They're very, very far and, and hard off, to see.
2: maybe maybe almost something that maybe possibly could be a lake. That's I'm actually sure. a field. Is That's actually that a field. Actually yeah. a field. Yeah. Like but a the lake.
1: unfortunate thing, right, that you're about to say is that like the background of both of these images is,
0: is like... almost identical. Yeah. Oh, I I line them up. You two have seen this image that yeah. I put on I've, I've you know my thing is I put stuff into Photoshop and I start toggling back and forth and, and then I you put post these gifts of it and then I give you yeah. guys gifts of these images yeah. flipping back and forth and these images laid on top of each other are almost a perfect match as if the images were taken mm-hmm. almost on the
1: exact same spot it's which almost is, yeah it's almost wow. like somebody put a camera somewhere and was like okay actor one yeah, go yeah. actor two go Whoa. actor three Go.
2: Somebody did put it. Yeah, you know, it appears to me that the camera was not not on the same spot. It was on a tripod. It absolutely did not move. No.
1: Because,
2: yeah. I, yeah. Uh, if you look at the you look at the borders and stuff and, and the features in the background and the foreground and everything, it, it appears to me that it was on yeah. a tripod.
1: Yeah. I, no, I, but yeah. that's what I mean. Is I actually, like literally? And
2: like, and like, David said, you know, go, I don't think know, it's everybody... on a
0: tripod because the falling soldier, everything is in motion, and that's hard to do on a tripod.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Whereas the second soldier is perfectly crisp.
1: Yeah. yeah it's crisp. But either Either way, it was somebody standing there with a camera, stationary, yeah. going, okay, yeah. all right, we got a line of soldiers. Now yeah. everybody's going to fake being shot. All right. It One,
2: could a competition, two, it, you know. three.
1: Yeah. Who can do the best fake? Yeah. Who can do it? And and the thing We're is just cynical, this, but well, the second Makes soldier
0: the second soldier who appears to be falling down, he's he's very identifiable when you compare him to the falling soldier. Because whereas the falling soldier is in a white shirt and light colored pants, this man is in what they call a boiler suit, basically a jumpsuit, and whereas the falling soldier has his ammo bags on his hip and the, the suspenders are going over his yeah. shoulders. This second guy in the boiler suit, his suspenders almost run up the center of his torso before ying off over each shoulder. So very different. They look different. Yeah. They're holding their guns the thing, different. Like,
1: the thing that's really interesting about these photos is when, when you were like, oh, I posted a GIF before I had done any kind of reading or research on this. I was like, oh, there's the real and the fake. <laughs> <laughs> right or I, I i thought that second one with the more identifiable one i mean because his his fatigues look real worn in looks like he's done some stuff his body is just like crumpled mm-hmm. you know i was like
0: oh, oh the the second soldier yeah the, the one second that's like soldier. His arm folded The not
1: famous him? one yeah. yeah i was like wow that looks like a human who just got shot and uh-huh. is dead and then the other one i was like wow that's a really clean outfit to
2: be. It was very clean. Well, it might have been his first day in the trenches. You sure, yeah. but
1: I mean, that was the interesting thing to me about this whole thing was that you posted these pictures, and my immediate thought was, "Here's the
0: fake of the fake." Yeah, fakes? I,
1: and at least as you know, like somebody who knows historical fashion and things like that was like, "Oh." There's the costume, and there's the original. So here's the
0: deal, is that there's a a guy, his name is José Manuel Susparagüe, I believe that's how you say it, he's a university professor in Spain, and what he did is he took these two photos... he didn't take actually the falling man photo he took the the man laying prone and quote unquote shot and dead and the the boiler suit man photo and he sent those around to people in the area in Spain to try and identify the background and that's how we have this idea that it is probably in Espejo is where the photo was taken. And the real big problem, because these people are like, oh yeah, no, I recognize this. And then they got a hold of locals who were, you know, at this point, old men and women at that time and said, oh yeah, the fighting here, there was early in September and it wasn't more fighting until the 25th of September. Well, remember, View ran the image on the 23rd of September, so it can't be fighting in Espejo. That really makes a lot of problems then, because if it is that he took that in Espejo then it appears that there was no conflict. Yeah. Which appears that then it does lead a lot of credence to the idea that oh no, it was maybe it was, it was totally stage for the camera.
2: Or maybe maybe somebody just shot the guy. Uh, wasn't even war related. Uh, yeah, and that's,
0: that's actually we're going to get that into our
2: next theory. Or and actually, an, another theory that I like right now is that it, it didn't mean to stage somebody getting shot. He was actually going to take a portrait of the soldier, and he says, "Back up a little bit." <laughs> he <tripped>. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> and he they and said, "That's beautiful. I love it." Yeah,
0: Monty because, Python. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, um, and, and listen, this is we've we've said this a couple of times, but it is this is not the first instance. If indeed this theory is true of somebody manipulating a photo, you guys probably have seen this photo, you two in the room, but everybody else out there may have as well. There is a photo titled The Valley of the Shadow of Death by Roger Fenton Mm -hmm.
1: and also a Coolio song.
0: What's that? (laughs) Oh, Coolio song? Yeah. Uh, It's from 1855, and it's this, it's during, um, oh God, it's the Crimean War, Uh and there's, there's this road, and there is cannonballs all up and down the sides of the road and all over the road itself, and it is just like, what the hell kind of crazy conflict took place here? And that is the photo that became very iconic until later on, a sister photograph showed up which was the same scene from the same location, same angle, everything, except there was no cannonballs
2: on the did road. They, did they Photoshop the balls in there?
0: No. they. It turns out they took a lot of work for like 100 years or... 150 years for people to figure this out. Photoshop is how they figured it out. Mm. The The photographer did the second photo, the no cannonballs on road photo. And then he and his assistants went out, grabbed cannonballs off of the side of the road and them chucked on them there. onto the road because the military, as yeah. they were moving through, had kicked all of the cannonballs out of the way because you can't do your, you can't have your horses and your right. carts coming through with these balls right. in the way. So they pushed them into the ditches. They okay. put them all back on the road, or a bunch of them, to then take this second photo that was obviously much more powerful. Because everybody went, oh, yeah. my gosh, look yeah. at that.
2: Right. Well, and actually, that's totally authentic because the first balls were on the road you know, because somebody put them there. And then mm-hmm. the second ones were there because somebody <laughs> put them there. Yeah. So, hey, there you go. And uh, there's another actually really iconic photograph we've all seen and it's been questioned for about 50 plus years now about whether it was staged or not and that is the the famous photo of these this half a dozen marines raising the flag on on the Iwo, Iwo Jima in the Pacific yeah. in World War 2 yeah and that was uh, and and that one's pretty pretty certifiably absolutely not staged but there are questions about it still for like 50 understandably plus years. yeah yeah I mean yeah uh,
0: there's the um there's the fo- there's a famous photo of the here in Oregon the Columbia River Gorge this was back in the mid1800s and there was a photographer god I can't remember his name now but he was using these crazy monstrous plate cameras like 22 oh, yeah. by 30 inch plates humongous thing. Yeah, I've seen some
2: of those pictures. I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, I, I
0: had it written yeah. down and then I moved it and I lost it. But anyway, he took this great image of the Columbia River Gorge, but he took the first image and there was a tree in the middle of his photograph that he didn't like. So he went out he left his camera mm-hmm. where it was. He went out. He cut the tree down. Uh-huh. And then he took the picture again. Yeah, yeah. And the second is one best. is, is yeah. what yeah. we
1: all know. Yeah. Like This is something that happened from day yeah. one. Oh, yeah. And I was just going to say that, like, I guess from like a, again, historical fashion kind of clothing mm-hmm. standpoint, yeah. one of the first things I did when I saw this picture was like, all right, what did a Spanish Civil War uniform look like? If Well, mm. these guys were militia. Yeah,
0: they weren't actually enlisted soldiers; they were militia. So, you if you see the photo, there's some of them that look to be in uniform, mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of them that aren't. Are, they they're by just the clothes. They were. Yeah. They
2: really weren't exactly two neat sides like two no, armies. No, oh, certainly like, I think that's the true. In this war, no, not no, really. no, no, that's yeah. certainly
1: true. But you know, like, what were the clothes? What were the general uniforms of people at that time? Yeah. And that's the other thing that's like really hard to tell is like i can't even tell what this image is supposed to be even representing Mm -hmm. you know the closest thing i can get is to a dude who's wearing this outfit but also with a cape and a fez (laughs) i mean no it's like seriously like you're laughing but seriously (laughs) that's the closest uniform that i can get to with it and um you know and all the other pictures are are of these fatigues that I would expect to see on a battlefield, especially in the trenches well, at this, but this time. Is, yeah, so this and is... so that's like, I guess that's another thing that I tend to look at. I mean, whether that has merit or not, yeah. um, that's something that I tend to look at when we're kind of analyzing these historic things as well mm-hmm. is, you know, is somebody who's going to be really in the trenches is somebody who's honestly in the trenches getting shot in a war on the front lines gonna have a totally untainted uniform on
2: seems unlikely in Um, all
1: light colors i and that's one of those things that I guess. And it's
0: amazing they're all clean. If you notice everybody yeah. in those photos, but I mean not at least the like the
1: other the like the following photo where we say it's from the same angle, but it's in like better view. Blah, blah blah. His fatigues are darker. They're they look like you know the pants are rolled up, the sleeves are rolled up. It looks worn. It looks real. Yeah. Versus the other one, which is why I was immediately like, "Oh, cool! There's like the real one and the staged one," but. I mean, it looks like a muddy place that they're in, and yeah, the fact be, that uh, his dirty. clothes are totally yeah. white, crazy, I mean, that's crazy, I'm not but, saying that yeah, it, it, it proves a, anything or doesn't September prove anything, in but... in Spain,
0: it would be dusty, but it wouldn't be muddy. But
1: well, it would it, be getting be on dirty. their clothes. Yeah. It'd be dirty. Yeah. It'd be yeah. dirty, it wouldn't yeah, be yeah. Yeah. this pristine white Correct. that it looks like in the film. It
0: looks like he had his Though, mother wash his shirt, and then he ran up the hill. Right.
1: But again though like this isn't a definitive thing one way or the other but that's something that Mm -hmm. always plays in my mind of looking at the clothes
2: it could be like you know this makes it even more tragic is that he uh, it was just his first day he He just Came day running one. up to the trench. Oh, I am here, Senores! I am here. Bang! And then he yeah. didn't even yeah. have time to go down and, and, totally. join, and yeah. introduce no. himself. Yeah. Well,
0: he's in a lot of photos. He's in at least four different images that I saw uh, the, of, of Robert Kappas from that day yeah. in that same series. So I think it's four. There's four of seven or eight of that a series are available. And he is in at least two. I take that back. He's actually in two or three. He's not in every single one, but he's there in quite a few of them. But let's let's move uh, let's move into the last theory that we have because oh, this theory. is a bit of a, an amalgamation of the the la, the theory that we've just been talking about, which is indeed the whole thing started out as a fake, and then it all got real. Yeah. And by that, how this theory goes is that yes. Kappa and Gerda are there. They're getting the soldiers to run this maneuver for them and show this stuff. What they don't realize is there is actually a small encampment of enemy soldiers nearby who, as they watch them doing their maneuvers and running around and jumping over the trenches and firing into the distance and yada, 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 think, what the hell? I, why are they trying? I can't believe they know we're here and they're attacking us. And so they, they, they fight back. And it's during one of these feigned runs that Kappa is shooting photographs of that the man in the falling soldier image, who, by the way, we don't know who that man is yeah. to this day, but he is indeed hit by a bullet from an enemy that was, uh, as yet until that point, unknown to be in the area.
1: Yeah, I kind of like that theory. That doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, we were defending ourselves. It could be as simple as they had this kind of covert camp and... They're you just know. scouts, maybe. They yeah, and dogs. they don't know. Yeah, yeah. And then the guys are like, "Oh yeah, we're going to run all these training exercises," and they're like, "Wow, this is sniper fodder." Yeah. Cool. The hard
0: part is is that there there is so there's a couple of problems with that. One is that Kappa interview he talks about machine gun fire, but for a man to be hit like that with a machine gun, you got to be relatively close. So it can't be any kind of sniperish situation.
1: Who's that guy? Oh gosh, I can't remember. I think it might have been like CNN or Fox or something. He was like a news reporter. Who was like a big? Oh, like the one faking big... that he
0: was in a foxhole?
1: No, he wasn't in a foxhole. He was like, oh, our helicopter was shot oh, down. Oh, that was
2: Brian Williams. Yeah, 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 NBC. Yeah, NBC, NBC, yeah. and yeah. he
1: was like, oh, we were shut down. I mean, this no, is, this that, would not they, be we, the first they got time
2: fire they received fire. Right, but or this would not like be that. the first
1: time that somebody who was a journalist inflated. Oh yeah! The story. Behind an image, right? So, I mean, even if he was like, oh, it was drills, and then this guy got shot down, he could have gone the extra step of saying, oh, and there was machine gun fire. It was awful. It was really dangerous. The
0: thing I find weird, though, is that Kappa didn't seem to be particularly tight lipped about his stuff. He seemed to be a rather open, talkative guy in general, most of his stuff. And yet, this particular one, <laughs> He didn't talk a lot about, which that's is that's the
1: trick with lying, you know that well, though, but, right? but
0: that's that's what that makes people tumultuous. think that well, no. maybe that's why it's a fake is that he didn't want to talk about it because it was fake, or I've always wondered, well, what about as you know Joe made the joke earlier as you know somebody says pew pew as you run and you fall and you you die, and the first guy. They go pew pew and the first the first guy in the boiler suit falls down and the second guy goes running and instead of going pew pew, somebody actually they go brat does, does actually pull the trigger well, and kill the guy. And then is, you're like uh... I've just witnessed a True um, to God, murder
2: because yeah. it was an accident, but it was that yeah, was murder or not necessarily murder. It could have been a gun accident, as is. Yeah, I it's think. like well, it's, it's, this guy's pointing a rifle. believe It's, it's friendly it's fire. Which yeah. Way, yeah. you and don't then, want to tell
0: the world that you got a famous photograph, courtesy of friendly fire. Well, and nobody wants then to talk about it because here's here's let me finish. said here's the one really important thing in that area where all of this is supposed to have taken place. You know, it was never reported until the twenty fifth of September. Wow. casualties yeah nobody was reported as having been killed in that entire time so if it was friendly fire casualties that's why you would cover that up well, and not report that guy missing and until that's later
1: all i was gonna say was that like i i feel like this is kind of that like double blind thing even though or like sometimes i was an expert liar as a child i'll tell you so like <laughs> well
0: we've been working with you for about five years now we have figured out that you're an expert liar
1: so the thing you do is you convince yourself of the lie, right? You come up with like, here's my backstory. And then you come up with your like, okay, and then if this were my backstory, how would I react? And if, if I were reacting that way, how would I pretend to be reacting? Right? right. Do you, are you following me?
0: Sorry. Of. Am I a crazy she, person? She is really scripting this out, but I get super what... script.
1: But no, I'm saying that like, okay. But so, that's how a good
0: liar works.
1: Well, that's, I mean, and that may be like how, um, Robert Kappa was working is that like you know he was like all right I staged all this stuff this is great um if I want to keep this story going of this fake story I have to act like it was real that this person got shot in front of me That's and a... what does a person who saw somebody get shot in front of them Trauma. act like it's a traumatic
2: Trauma. situation
1: but yeah. I'm an outgoing person so I should be normally talking about it. So what is the way that me, a normally talking about a person, reacts to... A, yeah, right? So it's like that five-layer <laughs> deep lie of... I, I, I don't I, know. I get,
0: I get it. I, it's I, not good. I understand where you're going. It's not the best. It's not the it's worst. It's not the
1: worst. <laughs> and and that's be, the problem with this story,
0: right? And, and that's... Yeah, that's the hard part is that... He does so much stuff in his life. He is so willing to he seems to be so willing to talk about most things. This is the thing that really kind of put him on the map and you would really hate to tell the world, by the way, I know you love me now, but that first thing I did, that's totally a fake. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is that is not how Oprah got her start and that would destroy the Oprah Empire. She's like, Oh, and by the way, that first season was totally mm-hmm. fake. Well, but on but- the other
1: hand, I you mean you can also say like but also at 18, I took a picture of a person being killed in front of
2: me. It could be, I watched
1: somebody die.
2: It could be that, or it could be he was embarrassed because he didn't actually, he didn't actually take the picture in a conscious way. He just stuck his camera, he said, up above the and right it was luck. It was dumb luck. And took a picture. He might have felt a little embarrassed about the True. fact that this is surely a random thing. It's yeah. Supposedly, like his greatest picture ever. And it's also yeah. his most random dumb luck picture yeah. ever. And I also, doesn't, mean I, those. doesn't mean, I don't give him any credit for it. Right. If he actually did take that picture, it's yeah. a real picture. But. but
1: I also wonder a little bit too, if the like there's a little bit of guilt there with like again, you said this guy's never been identified. Yeah, they you know they, they and say he...
0: there was there was a okay, so just so you know, yeah. for many, many years there was a lot of talk that the falling soldier was actually a famous Spanish revolutionary It was then very conclusively proven, and by the way, Magnum and Waylon and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's gotta be him because of this information, but it's very conclusively proven that he died somewhere else, because here's the other problem, is that if we look at the landscape, it looks like it's fields, but the battle that it is said to have taken place in is in more of a mountainous, uh, wooded area, and that guy was... They found his body against a tree in a wooded space. Sure. And like they know, they know it's not him.
1: Yeah. But I guess I can also see the feeling of guilt of making your name on the death of somebody that you don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm the death of anybody.
2: Well, of course, if you're a war correspondent, you know you probably got to be used to that by now. Uh, but if
1: that was your first one,
2: that was your first maybe yeah. at 18 years old. At 18, like put yourself yeah.
1: like at 18, seeing somebody dying, taking a picture, and then suddenly well, you're famous because is, of it. But if, I'm if, not but sure if, that you, he
2: saw the guy die. He stuck the picture, he stuck his camera up above the camera, took a picture, and I, he might not have even even have known for weeks that he even took that picture. I for, sure. He did. He yeah, probably, for sure, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, so, I, I think yeah.
1: there's this. That this is why this is a story that we're covering right okay so there's so so many many different things
2: we haven't done this
0: in a while but i want to do this is i want to do a very quick round table four or five sentence reason what do you think what is your your preferred answer so i'm gonna start with you
2: joe preferred answer okay my preferred answer is that uh, it probably was staged and i don't totally blame him for doing it because again he probably at a certain point you get frustrated. Like I said, you keep trying to catch that special little moment. You never do. Finally, you say, "Screw it!" You post for a picture. So that's I, what... I don't blame him. Okay, I don't. Okay,
1: Debra. I. You know, unfortunately, I agree. I do feel like it's staged. I hate that you're actually counting on your fingers how many sentences I'm saying. <laughs> that um, was number three. I know. It was. I know. I. I think. It, I think it was staged. Unfortunately, because it doesn't. It's not real it's just not it's not but that doesn't that's not to diminish the experiences that he had or or the talents that he had yes but it is just to say that this particular photo was fake like his name and his wife's name Uh, or lover his his name
0: yeah his girlfriend yeah yeah no i i feel like it i also agree that i think that it was a staged photo and it kills me to say that, because as, uh, did you guys watch any of the documentaries on him? Did you get a know. chance to do that no, any, any, out time, any outside of out the specific of topic? No. Uh, you know, it's one of those things you do when, I mean, we always yeah. ask each other, oh, did you watch this completely
1: unrelated? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> okay, I've been not.
0: watching documentaries on the man, and he, his imagery, like, I saw it at first, He's talented. I didn't get it at first. I did not get the things that he saw. Like I do this with a lot of photographers. So I want it to be real and I see all of the body of. He had. 700, 70 or 700,000 images he left behind. Like, it is an amazing breadth of work, and I hate to think that it was all leveraged off of a falsification, but I cannot say that I feel that it wasn't anymore. By the yeah. way, if you go out there, there's a 2003 documentary made on it. Please somebody find an original copy of that and put it on the internet, because there is one on YouTube that is great. It's like an hour and twenty some. Minutes long, but some jackass has hacked it up and spliced it out of order, and so it's like 45
1: minutes, yeah. And then it jumps around well, like it's confusing. As realistically, hell. that's probably the way that they've gotten past around the, the copyright issue, yeah. yes. Yeah. I know, but it's still, yeah. you, you gotta
2: download it and mm-hmm. re splice it. I thought, yeah. thought about it,
1: but well, here's what I'll say is that, um, he would not be the first artist. Mm-mm. Ever to make his name on there's, a fake or portrait. There's, there's
0: recent court war correspondents who absolutely been found out and there's do the same thing like in
1: genuinely historic. I mean, like we talk about Thomas Edison, mm-hmm. a yeah. super yeah. famous dude who stole literally everything that he ever did. Right. Yep. I yeah. mean, I, I I don't think that it takes away from his talent. No, no, uh, I take
0: I. I agree. But. But he's, he's incredibly talented. But unfortunately, but it is an yeah. unfortunate start well, that you know, we now know. But it, it did a, not stop his career.
2: A, it could have been actually a very auspicious start because maybe his reasoning was, and I could sort of see this. It's like, I really want to be able to go out and do this, take all these pictures so everybody around the world can see what's going on out here in the battlefield. Yeah. But unfortunately, I really can't afford to do it. No. I've got to go out there and I've got to take some killer picture. That'll put me on a map and then I'll get those higher fees. Yeah. And yeah. then and then what then I'll be able to do this. Yeah, no, full and, time, and without that,
0: know? I mean he was the only photographer on Omaha Beach on D Day. Yeah. We wouldn't have those images. There's images yeah. from when he uh the, the year that he died when he was in the Indochina War. Yeah. I mean I stopped, I paused the video, I looked at it. It is beautiful with soldiers walking in line. There's tank, there's dust, there's a sunset. This is all in black and white, yeah. remember. There's yeah. no color. And yeah. it, is, it is striking it's, it's imagery. beautiful. So he did a fantastic job. Yeah. And I would recommend that everybody go out and look at Kappa's work. Yeah. We will, of course, have the image of the falling soldier on the website. Mm. I will also put up as a secondary link the, uh, the comparison photos that I've made the the animated gif that is rotating so you can see them overlaid on each other because it really helps explain what we've talked about so far agree that is all going to be on our website which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com There'll be a couple of other research links on there, as always, and then you can listen to and download the episode from there. On the website, you're also going to find the episode list as a separate page, and then you'll also find uh, links to merchandise, so hats, mugs, coffee cups, shirts, all that. No hats. Actually, no hats. Shirts and all that kind of stuff. How come we don't have a hat? Because embroidery is expensive, Uh. it turns out. Uh, So, that stuff is all on the website. Now, if you don't want to just listen to and download through the website, you can always go to any of the streaming services. So, if you get your podcasts through Apple, you can go ahead and subscribe and leave us a rating. We appreciate that, and that helps others find us. We're also on other streaming services, so our good friends at Stitcher have us, so you can always find us on Stitcher. We are all over social media, so we have the Facebook page and the Facebook group so the page is where we put episodes and other fun stuff and then the group is where the episode discussions will happen. Mm -hmm. There's also episode Mm -hmm. discussions that happen on our subreddit so you can look that up Yep. and then we have a couple other places. We have Twitter where there's some conversations and fun stuff going Yep. and then Instagram where we're putting other weird fun stuff. Who knows There's all kinds of fun weird stuff coming from Thinking Sideways. You can
1: connect with all of us.
2: Absolutely. I remember on Instagram it it's not Thinking Sideways, it's Thinking Sideways Podcast. Link to
0: it from our Facebook or our That's website, way you'll to get do it. to the right spot. You will. Yeah. And of course, if you questions, comments, stories you want to suggest, you can reach out and give those to us directly through our email, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It takes us a little bit these days to get back, but we're always trying to get back to people as quickly as we can. So if it doesn't happen on day one, I apologize, but we're doing our best. That thing is always
1: full. It's literally us three, literally responding to everything. And we don't have a, of a team. Interns, we still no. need to hire no. that out. We, we still gotta. need to get yeah, an intern. All right, we should call Justin again. Yeah, yeah.
2: God,
0: hey. yeah I mean, his podcast doesn't do anything. No. no. Uh, I think that is all that I have to say about this particular mystery. Uh, uh, it's all enough. laid out there in black and white. So
1: we will talk to you guys next week.
2: Not fake but real.
1: <sighs> Sorry for the successfully nerdy episode.
2: Bye. <laughs>